All right. So uh, tonight we have a, a topic which is pretty common, uh, Shaila. I think most people take it for granted that it is permitted, although uh, although we people take it for granted that it's permitted. I don't know if everybody is aware of the exact issue which is involved and why it is that we uh, that people by and large take a lenient attitude. So uh, I was looking through some uh, Svarim for uh, an interesting topic. I had noticed that we had done a lot of Shabbos things uh, recently. So I said, okay, for sure this week, I'm not doing anything about Orachayim. I'm going to choose a, a different topic, goes uh, in, in a different direction, uh, just to spread things out uh, a little bit. So what we are going to do tonight is the topic of, hopefully it's now on the screen there. So business meetings at, there it is, business meetings at non-kosher restaurants. So uh, almost anybody who's involved in business uh, has faced this. Although the truth is, as I was thinking about it, the same thing is true if you ever take a driving trip and you go into a, uh, a rest stop along the way. So you may want to go ahead and grab a coffee at a non-kosher restaurant, or you may want to grab a pop soda for those who are out of town uh, while you're uh, at, at that place. So you'll just sit in the general area where people are, are sitting and eating their, uh, their meals and does that present a Maris Ayan issue or not? So the issue is Maris Ayan, that it may give the appearance of impropriety that somebody says, hey, why is uh, why are the cones going into McDonald's over there? I thought they keep uh, kosher, and here they are going into, into, into McDonald's. So is this something which is a concern? It's not a concern. So that's what we're going to try and explore tonight. Okay, so there's a, there's a lot which has been written on this, a lot which has been discussed related to this, but we're going to focus our attention on two um, modern-day postkim. One is Rav Moshe Feinstein, that's what we're going to start off with, and then we're going to see um, some analysis from Rav Asher Weiss. So Rav Moshe says as follows, and this is really, it's part of a different tshuva, but this is the last paragraph of that, of that tshuva. He says, Once again, our favorite pastime, trying to transliterate uh, Hebrew letters into English words. So he says, Are you allowed to eat the restaurant? Not Alice's, but just a restaurant. Where they prepare there only milchiks. This is the rationale which people used to say all the time in the, the 70s, probably the early 80s, people were, it was still a popular thing. It's just a milchik restaurant, so there's not much to worry about kashrus-wise. But the owner of the restaurant is not somebody who is from. And even in a milchik restaurant, so you could run into kashrus problems because they may be serving non-kosher fish. And the oil which they use to fry foods, that could also come from a non-kosher source. You could also have cheese, which is made with non-kosher ingredients. And there's also going to be a problem of having non-Jewish cooks if they're not sensitive to issues of bishulakum. Therefore, even to go into that restaurant and eat a food where there's no doubt whatsoever that it is, uh, that it is permitted, there's no potential issue whatsoever, you have the fruit plate or something like that. So says Rav Moshe, So we should tell the person they're not allowed to go into that because of 
Marasayan, because it gives the appearance of impropriety. Somebody see, sees you walking into a restaurant which is not known to be kosher, may think that you are ordering whatever you want from the menu, including perhaps some of the non-kosher food. Ah, imhu ra'av bioter. But let's say, now this is where it comes, it could come up on the, uh, when you're on the driving trip. So if a person is, Ra'ab Bioter translates as starving along those lines. Shemitztayer Tuva, where the person is in distress. Ven shamakam acher lecho, and there's no place else to eat. If you're in the middle of rural Pennsylvania, so where are you going to find yourself a kosher restaurant? Or you're in the middle of Montana or Idaho or somewhere in Nevada over there, I think near the area of Las Vegas. So in such a place where there's no place to go, your plane gets diverted and you're in a restaurant in the middle of Yehupitzville nowhere. So uh, you're allowed to go into such a restaurant and eat foods, which you know that there's no question whatsoever about its uh, permissibility. Now this is something which you used to hear people say. But even when you go into such a restaurant, even though it's mutter, so you have to do it in a way where people are not going to take notice. And the reason why this is allowed is because in circumstances of distress or in circumstances of a potential loss, so Chazal did not answer things. So even though there are all sorts of drabanans which Chazal put in place, rabbinic pro- uh, prohibitions which Chazal put in place, nonetheless, rabbinic prohibitions by and large don't apply when it would cause a person great distress or would cause a person a loss of money. And being starving, I can tell you from Friday night, so in the hospital, since I didn't eat till we got home Shabbos day, so I can tell you that sitting for long periods of time not eating is something which is distress. Kedisa B'Ksuvah Staff Samech, like the Gebar and Ksuvah says, we'll explore that shortly. V'hainu, now what do we mean by saying private? V'hainu shalo yemi b'chutz makirov. When you go into the restaurant, you have to look around and make sure you don't see any of your friends or you don't see anybody that you know. We're not worried about the people in the restaurant because the people in the restaurant will look at what's on the plate in front of you and they'll see apples and pear and orange and uh, a fruit platter. So they're not, they know that you're not eating something which is usser, but we do have to be worried about those people who are outside of the restaurant, see you walk in and don't know what you're ordering. They may be suspicious. They ask, why are they going in there and eating uh, eating trays? Oh, well. Uh, and in the event that there are people outside who you know, you have to inform them, I'm going into this trade restaurant to get kosher food because I'm starving and I haven't eaten in 18 hours. And therefore I'm going in there just to get a fruit platter but nothing else. In the event that you're not in great distress, so you cannot go in there at all. So Moshe adopts a, so in terms of if we apply what Moshe says to a business meeting, somebody says, oh, you want the, you know, you want that contract or you want me, whatever the, uh, the, the, the business uh, discussion is. And the person says, let's discuss it over lunch. We'll go to, uh, I forgot the name now. Uh, one of these Italian restaurants uh, downtown. So we'll go to uh, something, Bucci's, something. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll go in there. So Rav Moshe would say that that's not allowed. 
unless it's something which would be cause you a significant financial loss to not get this contract, but just um, to meet with somebody in a restaurant to, to go in there and grab some kosher food. So that is something which would not be allowed. Okay. Now, what is the Gemara and Ksuvis that Rav Moshe was referring to where he said that we see by Durabanans that if it's going to cause you a distress or it's going to cause a loss of money, that that will be grounds for you to, uh, to go to, uh, that's grounds for the Durabanan to not apply. So here the Gemara and Ksuvis, Tafsama Hamad Aleph says, Tanya, Nachum ish Galya Omer. Nachum, person from Galya, he says, Sinor Sha'alubo Kashkashim. Right now in Chicago, we can only dream about this, but you have a, a downspout which gets filled with leaves and twigs. So the water is not going down the downspout as it should. And as a result of that, so now the water is, is, is backing up and it's now leaking through the roof. So what do you do on Shabbos when the downspout is clogged and you need to, uh, to clear it? So, So, uh, although, Stomping on those leaves and uh, in twigs will, uh, in a sense, repair the downspout. It's not functioning now. And repairing it by uh, kicking the stuff through is, is a malacha, at least midrabanan. But you're allowed to do it in private on Shabbos. And you don't have to worry about the fact that you may be doing something wrong. My timer. Why isn't it a problem? Because mesak in kalachar yadu. Because the repair that you're making to that downspout by clearing up the blockage, so that's being done It's being done in an unusual manner. Normally, I guess there's some sort of instrument which we, which you would use to, for that purpose. But over here, since you're just stomping on it and, and pushing it through, so then that's okay. And even so, even though midrabanan it's aser, since not making this repair is something will that will cause you a loss. So you're allowed to go ahead and do it in an unusual manner. The Durabanan doesn't apply. And Amr Yosef, Rav Yosef says, indeed, halacha kenachem ishgalia, the halacha follows this opinion. So if you have over here, number one, that when something is asamid Durabanan, in the event that you, are, uh, you face a potential loss, so you're allowed to do it in an unusual manner in order to prevent that loss. So that is number one, but provided and this is going to be important in the, in the subsequent discussion, provided that you do it in private. In other words, to go out in the middle of the morning when everybody's walking to and from shul and to be on your rooftop and you're stomping on the, uh, the leaves and the twigs and your downspout in order to clean it, clear it out, that you're not allowed to do. But to go late at night on uh, Shabbos night and to go ahead and do that where nobody's going to see you, so that's going to be okay. So we will suspend the Durabanan only when it's done in private, not when it's done in public. Okay, so that is Gemara number one. The problem you run into is a Gemara in Shabbos. This is what you have in source three over here. I'm Rav Yudah Marav. Rav Yudah, the name of Rav says, Anytime Chazal asserted something because of Maris Ayin, because of the appearance of impropriety, because somebody may think that they're doing something wrong, Afilu even in the privacy of your own house, where nobody's going to see what you're doing, it's still going to be Yasser. So Marasayan is this very broad restriction. It's not something where you're doing something where other people see you, and that's why it gives the appearance of impropriety, and that's why it's going to be Yasser. Even if you do that thing where nobody could see you, it's still going to be Yasser. 
the classic case, which people, uh, you know, who come from Eretz Yisrael to the States for Yantif, what they don't like, what they what they commonly forget, what they don't like to think about is that when some from someone from Eretz Yisrael is in the States for Yantif, they're not allowed to do malacha on the second day of Yantif either, even though for them there's only one day of Yantif. But they're not allowed to do malacha. And not only are they not allowed to get in a car and drive when everybody else is going to shul, but they're not allowed to do malacha even in the privacy of their own room. That's a filu bechedre chadarm. Even in the room where they sleep and nobody else is there seeing them, they're still not allowed to do malacha. So here we have now what Tosos is going to say, we have a contradiction. Because sometimes it seems that when there's the appearance of impropriety, as long as you do it sheltered away where nobody could see you, like clearing out your downspout in the middle of the night, that would be allowed. But when it comes to other things, it seems that when something is also because of Mara sign, you're not allowed to do it at all, even if nobody else is there to see, because you're you're in the privacy of your own room, it's still something which is going to be also. Rabbi Shaffel, yes. Could I ask you, going back to Rabbi Moshe's uh, tshuva for a moment? Yes. I understand that if you go into a a restaurant and you make sure that none of the people that know you are around there uh, when you go in, uh, that uh, maybe that would be okay. But if you go in there with a kippah on, um, there may well be Jews there. You don't know what what they are and what the people are. And they may think, no, this is a kosher restaurant. I mean, according to that reasoning. So if if the idea of tzina is that people should know you, does that mean that if you go and do this kind of thing, you ought to wear a baseball cap? Right. So so that that is that what uh, what they used to say is to make sure that you're wearing some sort of hat. Like a couple of years ago, everybody who was driving, wherever you drove, there were always plenty of masks, uh, you know, in the car. So when you get out, you had a mask to go ahead and put on. So uh, when traveling out of town and whatnot, so that's why common practice was always to have some sort of cap or some sort of baseball hat or something in order to make sure that you could always cover up so that nobody would see. So, yeah, I, I, I had in mind when I was reading through Moshe's thing to, to point that out. But, yes, that's, that's where that comes from is that you should have a baseball cap so people won't see that this is an Orthodox Jew who's walking into a, a non-kosher restaurant. And think either that the restaurant may be kosher or to think that the Orthodox Jew is doing uh, is eating non-kosher. Okay, so Tosos points out this, uh, this contradiction about why sometimes something which is Maris Ayan is permitted as long as nobody else sees, Whereas other times when something is also because of Marasayan, it's going to be Asr, even if one if it's done in the privacy of one's home. So um, so he says, so uh, so Tosos answers, we'll just skip to his answer. He says, so when are we going to be Mahmer? and say that what you're not allowed to do uh, is, is prohibited even in the privacy of your own, uh, even in, in private. So Tosa says that when it's going to be us, or no matter what, that's when we're dealing with an Isidaraisa. We're dealing with something which is biblically prohibited, and you're, you're, you're doing something which technically is allowed, but somebody who misinterprets what you're doing will think that you're doing an Isidaraisa, then we have to be extra machmer. And he discusses the, uh, an example of that, which we don't need to see. Shimiru, because if people see the, uh, the, uh, 
that you have clothes out, you put clothes out to dry on Shabbos, back in the day when you, they, people would use a clothesline. So if they see you putting out clothes on the clothesline on Shabbos, Yizbru Shekavsam B'Shabbos. They may mistakenly think that you went ahead and did laundry on Shabbos, which would be an Isidar Isa. So even if you have a fence, which is 15 feet high, and nobody's going to see that you're putting out your laundry, or you do it in your basement by the laundry room, still it's not going to be allowed because we're dealing with Maris Ayin Anadar Isa. But over here, when we're talking about clearing out your downspout from the leaves and twigs, which are clogging it, lo yiru, nobody's going to see. All they're, all they're going to see is that you're doing something in, in an unusual manner. And when something is done in an unusual manner, so the havya drabana, which would only be drabana anyways. So the worst that they're going to think is you're doing something which is asama drabana. So when the worst that you may be doing is only Asr Drabanan anyways, so then it's not going to be Asr to do in the privacy of your own home. So this is how Tosos draws this distinction, that when we're dealing with Marasayin and Daraisa, we're going to be extra machmer, and you're not even allowed to do it in private. When we're dealing with something which is Marasayin of a Drabanan, then as long as nobody sees that you're doing it, so then it's going to be fine. Give up. So what does this mean in terms of going to the not going into the non-kosher restaurant? So it says in source five over here the Chuvas Minchas Asher Rav Asher Weiss. So he says So based on what we have explained, So we're not allowed to be lenient in terms of going into a non-kosher restaurant because going into a non-kosher restaurant that's Mara sign for a daraisa or drabana, a daraisa. Because eating non-kosher, although there are certainly some foods which are asr midarbanan, but many foods are asr midaraisa. So therefore, there's no, there's no room, there, seemingly there's no room to be lenient. The kevin da being that the person who sees you walk into McDonald's or Burger King or uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken, KFC, because they want to talk about fried anymore. But talking about KFC, so they don't want, they, they may be suspicious that you're eating non-kosher. So we have Maris Ayin on something which is a Daraisa. And in such a case, it's going to be Asr, even, even, no, even if nobody saw what you were doing, it was seemingly is still going to be Asr. So the first time around, it's going to go around the second time now, but the first time around, Rav Asher Wai says, seemingly, Rav Moshe is correct. And he doesn't even see room for, for leniency in a case of tsar or anything like that. That was a different part of the tshuva that uh, Rav Asher Weiss disagrees with. But he is of the opinion that, that based on this tosos, any time that the, the appearance of impropriety raises a suspicion that somebody's violating a daraisa, it's going to be aser afilu bechadre chadar. But now he says, but really, let's take a step back. And this is where you see some of the, some of the godless of, of Rav Asher Weiss in terms of his halacha, his halachic uh, uh, um, abilities of analysis. And he says, let's take a step back and let's ask probably the most fundamental question in this whole sugi, in this whole discussion. And that is, yesh ayin. We have to think about it. Im chashash maris ayin, when we talk about the appearance of impropriety, what exactly is that concern? Is it a din klalihu? Is it a general concern? And every uh, action which one does, we have to consider, 
is what I'm doing going to give the appearance of impropriety that I'm doing something wrong or not? The imyesh, and if people would think that maybe you're doing something wrong, aser who? It's something which is aser. Oshama ein lano elam asher al Maybe we don't have the authority to go, and he'll give us an example later on, a great example later on, but maybe we don't have the ability to create new suspicions. Chazal identified certain things which you're not allowed to do because of Marasayim. For example, as we'll see this as an example also later on, that if a person is going to drink almond milk while eating milk, while, while eating meat. So meat and almond milk is 100% motor. It's mutter b'daraisa, it's mutter b'darabanan, it's 100% mutter, because almond milk isn't really milk. It's a misnomer to call it milk. But nonetheless, Chazal said, if somebody sees you with a glass of what looks like milk while you're eating a steak, they may think you're having basu b'chala. They may think that you're, eat, you're doing something wrong. And therefore, the only way you could have almond milk while you're eating meat is you have to leave almonds on the table. And that becomes the sign, the neon sign, before neon signs were even created. But they, that becomes the neon sign which says, hey, this is not cow's milk. This is, uh, this is almond milk. But maybe that's something, so that's something which Chazal told us raises a suspicion of Mara sign. So when Chazal tells us, no, 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 you're not allowed to do this because it raises a suspicion, but all we could do is uh, take into account, take into, into consideration what Chazal answered because of Mara sign, but there should be above in there, but we don't have the authority to go ahead and add to Maris Ayans of Chazal. In nowhere in Chazal, nowhere in the 2,711 Dapim of Shas, does it say that there's an Isra to go into a non-kosher restaurant. So being that Chazal never said that there's an Isra to go into a non-kosher restaurant, maybe we don't have the ability to go ahead and make new Maris Ayans. So that's the question that Usher says, Usher Weiss says, we have to consider. Okay. Now we get to, I wasn't expecting this, but we're in the Pesach season, so it, uh, it works out well anyways. So the Magen Avram quotes the following halacha. He says, Ubekastantina, we'll say Constantinople or something like that, but in some, in some city, so Nogim Iser Lasos Pat Shilish. I don't know exactly what Pat Shilish is, but he says, well, let's just call that... Um, um, uh, uh, chicken cutlets. We'll just make up that that's a translation because it works. Oh, letagin dagin b'matzah afuya. Because I'd rather not talk about the chicken cutlets than the fish. But the other thing is to go ahead and make fried fish where you're using matzah flour. Not matzah flour, sorry. You're using um, matzah meal. So you're making chicken cutlets with matzah meal or you're making fish cutlets with matzah meal. And in this city of Con- Constantina, so they said you're not allowed to eat chicken or fish cutlets, which are made in matzah meal. Why? Because of the concern that somebody will say, oh, I didn't know you could have chicken cutlets uh, on, uh, on Pesach. I got a whole free, I got a, this huge bag of chicken cutlets, which I got for really cheap right before Pesach. I'll go ahead. It'll be a nice uh, uh, change of, uh, of menu for the family. And I'll make them chicken cutlets. And they'll think that maybe you could use regular flour to go ahead and make chicken cutlets, and that would be a, a terrible thing. So they don't allow breaded anything, but with the recipe would say breaded anything, even though it's made with matzah. What's the background to this? 
So the Machzis Shekel says, he explains, Machzis Shekel is a commentary to the Magen Avram. He says, where did this come from? He says, this is based on an actual incident which took place, that somebody was a guest by somebody else's house and they had chicken cutlets. They said, oh, I didn't know you can make breaded chicken cutlets on, uh, on, on Pesach. And they went ahead and they, uh, she took some uh, just plain flour and she thought, I guess if it's plain flour, I don't have to worry about chametz. And she went ahead and she made it breaded chicken and they ended up eating chametz on Pesach. So as a result of that, the rabbi got up the next year, Shabbos al and said, no breaded nothing. No breaded chicken, no breaded fish, no breaded anything uh, on Pesach. Okay, now, but if you look at the Prichadash view, so he quotes, he, he makes note of the fact that there is such a minog, and he says, no, 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 we don't have the authority to go ahead and start ossering things because we think people are going to get confused. Because, and here's the, the, the key line, the ain leagues are gzeiru we don't have the authority. We are not chazal, and we shouldn't have a chazal complex, and we should not think that we have that type of authority to make new gezeras that you're not allowed to have. You're not allowed to use matzah meal to coat chicken or to coat fish because maybe somebody will confuse it and they'll end up using regular flour. If it's not found in shas, we don't make up new gezeras. So this would seem to lend itself to this idea that what Chazal told us is Aser, so that's going to be Aser. And for us to come along and start Asering things because we think that if we do this, somebody else is going to get confused and they'll think that something is Mutter when it's really not, that, that's not our domain. If it's Mutter, it's Mutter. If it's Aser, it's Aser. But we don't, uh, we don't cross uh, paths as far as, uh, as far as that is concerned. Now, and there's different uh, uh, proofs for this, uh, for this idea. But you have over here, um, yeah. So now the pre-tar, the pre-tar is a safer. I didn't know who the author was, but when I uh, tracked down the safer in the, uh, one of the uh, the online uh, uh, databases, so it turns out that this is one of the farm written by the Orachayim, the Orachayim Akadosh, which you commonly hear talk about the you know his commentary on Chumash. So he was also a great posik. He wrote Shuvas, and he also wrote a commentary to Yoridea. So it's called pre-tar. So he says, He's of the opinion that anytime there's there, that uh, a behavior will raise a suspicion and we could easily solve it without too much tircha, without too much effort. So what would be an example of something which could potentially raise a concern that we could solve without much effort? So here in the commentary to the pre-Torah, he explained, that's why it's in brackets, now, really, the only concern about Mara sign that I mentioned before, where you have a meat and almond milk, that should really only be a problem when we're dealing with meat, because midaraisa, meat and milk, cannot be mixed together. Midrabanan, uh, midaraisa, you can have chicken and, uh, and milk together. It's only asa midarbanan. So being that chicken and milk is only asa midarbanan anyways, so maybe I should be able to drink a glass of almond milk together with my chicken, and I don't need to put almonds on the table, because even in the worst case scenario where somebody thinks I'm doing something wrong, it's only Durbanan, so maybe I don't have to be worried about somebody suspecting me of a Durbanan. So here the pre-Torah says, no, that Shagam Bebasar Of, even if you're eating chicken and you're drinking almond milk, make sure to put some almonds next to that glass of milk. 
just like you would if you were having actual meat. Name of that safer is Yafapri. So to uh, and as a general course of behavior, we try and do things to avoid suspicion. So even if there's really no halacha grounds for that suspicion, because it's only a durabanan anyways, and maybe we don't have to be worried about maris ayin on the durabanan, nonetheless, the pre-tar says, if you could easily avoid even that minimum level of suspicion, do so. But the truth is, in this regard, since it's really not aser, that in the event that a person did not put uh, almonds next to the almond milk as he's eating his chicken, so low big deal, that's not going to be such a, such a big deal. So what does that mean in terms of our maris ayin for going into a non-kosher restaurant? So Chazal certainly did not go ahead and put in place anything uh, in, in that regard, in terms of coming up with a, 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 a sorry, Chazal did not put in place a gzera prohibiting going into a non-kosher restaurant. So really, we don't have the authority to make up such a gzera. And based on that by itself, we should really say that it's permitted. Because we don't come up with new gzeras. We don't come up with new, uh, with new decrees saying, you're not allowed to do something which is technically permitted because of what the neighbors will say. So really, it should be permitted. However, the pre-Torah does put this qualification on, which is that if you could avoid suspicion, and it's not going to be a major tircha to go ahead and do so, so you should try and do that. And therefore, really, Meker Adin, he says, based on this analysis of these, uh, of these poskim, it should really be permitted to go into the non-kosher restaurant. But he says, Mikom Makom, this is now Rav Asher Weiss again. It says, But if it's a difficult circumstance, or if avoiding that would be burdensome, So then we can follow the Ikaradin, the actual halacha. We could adopt the lenient opinion which says that Marasayin only applies to those things which Chazal answered, and it doesn't apply to anything else. Okay. So that is explanation number one that Rav Asher Weiss offers as to why there's room for leniency to go into a non-kosher restaurant. And that is because the whole issue of Marasayan anyways is not really our concern because Chazal never answered it. So if Chazal didn't answer it, we don't have the authority to answer it. And that would be, uh, that would be uh, point number one. Then point number two that he raises in terms of room for leniency is the question of whether or not uh, concerns for Maris Ayin are time and place sensitive. In other words, is there such a thing to say that when Chazal Asr this, there were certain circumstances on the ground which led them to say that this is Asr? But now that we live in different circumstances, so maybe now that we live in different circumstances and this behavior doesn't raise suspicion anymore, so the Maris Ayin is no longer applicable. Now, on the one hand, that sounds absurd because we say all the time, once Chazal answered something, they answered. You can't go ahead and start changing around the Durabanans. Uh, you know, our, our concern in the United States that, uh, that Chazal said you're not allowed to, you can only have Chol of Yisrael, where a Jew saw the milking of the cow because maybe somebody will mix in some non-kosher milk into that and you'll end up eating milk from a camel or a donkey or a pig or something like that. So it's certainly not relevant nowadays. We say it doesn't make a difference whether it's relevant nowadays. Once they answered it, they answered it. But now, you, as we're going to see, that's true when we're dealing with an actual gzeira 
that's not going to be true when we're dealing with something which Chazal answered because of Maris Ayin, because of what it, the, the, it raises a suspicion of impropriety. So for this, Rav Asherwai says, let us jump to Yordea, Simen, really they say Reish Ches Tzadi, and we don't like to say Ratzach, because that's murder. So I switch around the Tzadi and the Ches, but this is in the Halachas of Shatnes. So we know that Midaraisa, in order for something to be Yasser, is Shatnes, so it's going to be wool and linen mixed together. You combine threads of wool and linen, and you uh, you sew with them into into a garment, or you make a garment out of them. So that is the isadaraisa of shatnas. Comes along the mechaber. There's the first sif at the very beginning of these halachas, and he says, meshi in Chazal came along and said, out of maris ayin considerations, out of the appearance of impropriety, they said you're not allowed to mix silk and wool. Not linen and wool. Linen and wool is the daraisa. Silk and wool, which is absolutely no iser whatsoever. Chazal came along and said that you're not allowed to go ahead and mix them together. Why? The fishadomalapishtim. Because anybody who knows anything, and I'm not one of those, but anyone who knows anything said will uh, uh, acknowledge that linen and silk have, I guess, to the uh, to the uninitiated. And the uninformed, so they have similar qualities. And somebody may see this this wool and silk together and say, "Oh, I didn't know that Chazal went ahead and mattered shatnas." And they'll go ahead and they'll mix together wool and linen. But now that's not the the the, the chiddush part. But now comes along the mechaber and says, "Va'idna meshi matzui beinenu." But nowadays everybody is in contact with silk. And everybody can tell the difference between silk and linen. People no longer confuse the two. And being that we live in a circumstance where people are from, very familiar with it, and it's no longer confused, the fikach So the concern of Maris Ayin, which Chazal had put in place, it gets suspended. It's no longer relevant. And therefore, nowadays, one is permitted to go ahead and mix silk together with wool or linen without any concern for this maris ayin whatsoever. So what do we see from here? So he says, and you don't have to trust my summary. Let's, we'll see how Rav Asher Weiss goes ahead and summarizes. He says, So what do we see uh, explicitly from this halacha regarding shatnas? He says, we see clearly even those things which Chazal themselves, not what we uh, created as Marasayan, but something which Chazal answered because of Marasayan, because this halacha about the restriction against mixing wool and silk together, this is not something which is made up by, uh, you know, the rabbis out of political consideration or something like this. This is something which is an explicit Mishnah in Kilayim. So it's clearly this was instituted by Chazal, but even though it was instituted by Chazal, when the appearance of it, the, the concern for the appearance of impropriety is no longer relevant, because silk is now a common material. And we're not afraid that if somebody sees wool and silk together, that that may lead them to think that wool and linen are allowed to be mixed together. So what happens to the Maris Ayan? It's no longer relevant and it dissolves upon itself. And therefore it says of Usher Weiss, the Kalvachomer, now I got to take out your thumb, the Kalvachomer, and certainly, 
When we're dealing with uh, something which wasn't usher by Chazal ever, like going into a non-kosher restaurant. So when there's a circumstance where walking in, in a circumstance, where walking into the non-kosher restaurant does not raise a suspicion that maybe you're doing something wrong. So for sure, that's not going to be usher. So before we get to the rest of his analysis, right off the bat, when you see somebody, stay, you know, getting uh, like when we go... Uh, when we go on our trips to and from Lakewood. So we'll stop in some, uh, you know, rest stop somewhere in uh, Nowheresville, uh, Pennsylvania. And we'll, uh, we'll go to one of the tray for restaurants. And we say, can we have glasses? Can we have cups of hot water? They're more than happy to share with us hot water. And we take the hot water and we go ahead and we make tradition soups out of that. So somebody walks into the rest stop and sees us at the Stuckey's you know, in line at Stuckey's, you know, try, you know, waiting to order something. Oh my gosh, isn't that going to be a suspicion that maybe the Shaffles are eating at Stuckey's as long as they're in uh, rural Pennsylvania? So the answer is no, because everybody knows that when you go to a restaurant in rural Pennsylvania, all they have are tray for restaurants. And if you're getting, you know, a drink here or you're getting a coffee there or you're getting hot water, so that doesn't raise a suspicion because that's what everybody does. So in a circumstance where it doesn't raise a suspicion, so for sure, he says, it's not going to be Asr because it wasn't even Asr by Chazal in the first place anyways. But now he says, now the more global idea, now, with, now we, he swing, in these next three paragraphs, he swings it back around finally to the business meeting at a non-kosher restaurant. He says, but what's clear from this, uh, this uh, uh, Sif in Shulchan Aruch is the anytime given the circumstances of time place in the way that life is lived suspicions of wrongdoing are not raised so like i said when somebody sees me in the stuckies line in uh, in a rest stop in rural Pennsylvania, nobody is going to look at that and say, "I can't believe the Shaffles are eating at Stuckies." I thought they were religious Jews. I, I don't know what's going on. Nobody's going to think that. No reasonable person, even a complete stranger who's coming from the opposite direction, who doesn't know me from anything, is not going to think that I'm ordering non-kosher food. Shuv einbo is shuv einbo iser mishum So it's not going to be also because of marasain. V'kachnoagim binyanim rabim. And we do this, truth is, we do this all the time. There are many things where if you want to look at, some, at someone's behavior with a critical eye, so you can immediately say, oh, that person must be doing something wrong. But since most reasonable people do not do that, do not assume the worst, they assume the best. So therefore, that, that, that um, avoids any Maris Ayn issues. What does he give as an example? Classic example, Rav Moshe uses this elsewhere. This is Rav Asher Weitz. Rav Moshe uses the same example. He says, Ula Dugma, Balma. He says, for just an example of this, Atzayin Gilua Chazakan. So we have a number of people here who are clean-shaven, men and women alike. And, but for the men, there's a potential Isidaraisa to go ahead and shave with a straight razor. But nowadays, when you see somebody who's clean-shaven, do we automatically assume that they're using a straight razor? Nobody assumes that. Now, could they be using a straight razor? Maybe, but nobody assumes that because there's so many permitted ways to go ahead and be clean shaven. Why would anybody think that a person is choosing the usser way rather than the mutter way? Both in hamutter. So we say that when you see a person, we automatically assume he's doing it a permitted way. And being clean shaven is not marasayan that, oh, the, the appearance of impropriety, literally the appearance of impropriety, because he is doing something which is uh, which indicates that he's using a straight razor. 
We don't do that. He actually uses, as a second example, using fancy shaitals. He says the same thing is true with regards to fancy shaitals. That if you see a religious woman, you know she's covering her hair. Ah, you know, it looks, it's, it looks so natural, it looks so good, it's, it's unbelievable. So it doesn't matter. We know that people, religious people, do, uh, do, do those things. Brandy actually says, when we go to Hassas, and I, I, I ask her to point out for me, you know, which are those lace shaitals, the real fancy ones. She said the easy way to know which are the fancy ones and which are not is the fancy ones look so good, they can't possibly be real hair. That's how she knows that, it, that it's a shade because it looks too good to actually be true. So therefore, it can't possibly be actually their, their actual hair. So she's not worried about the, that at all. But that's what happens. So now with regards to the restaurant, because we have to finish, he says, So now he says the same thing is going to be true with regards to uh, our case. Now, what he's talking about over here is, it's important, he's going to talk about that and then uh, expand it. But the, what he's talking about over here is you have a large office building, which has a restaurant in the office building. So people say, oh, you know what? We need to talk about this. I'll meet you at the, uh, the, uh, the restaurant on the fifth floor, on the seventh floor, on the eighth floor, and we'll talk about it over lunch. So that's where, you know, you have hundreds of offices and hundreds of businesses in this office building. And it's very common and frequent that they're there, you know, meeting for lunch about whatever it is. So he says, being that this restaurant, that they're primarily populated by ovdim, by employees of the businesses, who are working in that building. And there's no better place to eat in the building other than in the building, the restaurant in the building. So why would anybody suspect, if you see a religious Jew going into that restaurant in the, in the office building, why would anybody think that he's going in there to eat treif? Either he's eating from the kosher menu, if they have a kosher menu, or he's going to eat food, which is what? He'll have the fruit platter or whatever it happens to be. Do we automatically assume the worst about people that when there's a kosher option that they're going to go ahead and they're going to eat something which is which is which is aser, right? Every time you get on the plane and you and you travel um, uh, um, where they serve a meal, so do you have to be concerned that when you're walking on the plane and they're serving food there that somebody thinks you're going to get the trace menu? Obviously not. It's easy to order kosher food. So why would anybody think that, oh, they're going on the plane and they serve lots of treif over there. They're going to serve hundreds of treif meals. It must be that the shaffles are eating treif too. Well, why would anybody think that? There's a kosher menu option and that's what people are going to do. V'kach gam l'gabi pigishot asakim kanal. And he says, Rav Asher says, the same thing is going to be true regarding these business meetings, which are taking place in the restaurants. And therefore, since nowadays, it's common practice for people to go to business meetings and non-kosher restaurants. So he says that itself, shuv, einbo isr marasayin, that itself avoids the isr of marasayin because you see somebody going into the restaurant, you say, oh, he must have a business meeting because why else would this person be going into a non-kosher restaurant? So 20, 30 years ago, going back to what you said, Bob, it could be that it wasn't as common, it wasn't as frequent, and therefore you had to go in with your baseball cap, but it could be nowadays that there are circumstances where everybody knows that that's what's going on, is that it's a business meeting over lunch, and that's how the, uh, you know, the deal is made. But he says, just as one last uh, uh, qualification, so he's, he's holding, really, maker adin, it's okay. But he says, however, it would seem, you should not go into a place 
where it may appear as if you're actually doing something wrong. So just stop to go into a restaurant, which is not a restaurant, a, a non-kosher restaurant, which is not frequently used for business meetings. Right here, you're in rural, uh, you're going to the Stuckies, not on the side of the road, but you go to one in the middle of Nowheresville, Idaho, where they don't have business meetings and it's not a, a rest stop. So it just happens to be close to the Airbnb where, 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 you, uh, where you're staying. So that, he says, when it may look as if you're actually going there to eat in the restaurant, that already you should try and avoid. Sharinis bar because we said from the Orachayim Akados, the pre-Toar, Shemiyos Tov Royalis Rachig Miko Shemitz Maras Ayim Medavish Ein Botzar V'Tarech. So if you could easily avoid uh, Maras Ayim, even though it's not technically Aser, it's a good idea to go ahead and avoid such a practice. So when you can, when there's no reason to, so don't go into a to the non-kosher restaurant. He said, certainly in those places where it's known that besides the non-kosher food, there are other things which may be going on over there which are inappropriate. So that's also a reason to, to stay out of such a, a, a restaurant. But he says, but restaurants which are in the business district where everybody knows that the only people who eat in these restaurants are businessmen and women who are negotiating a deal, discussing a deal, whatever it is that they are doing. So he says, Emaze Isser. So Ravasher Wai says, I hold that that's not something which is going to be Isser. Kimivuar, as we explained. So it turns out that, again, back to your point, Bob, it turns out that things have almost turned 180 degrees. It used to be that you, if you had to go there, you got a hat there. Make sure that your tzitz are in. Make sure that you have a hat on your head. Make sure that nobody sees you. Go to the furthest place that you can to avoid anybody seeing you walking into that non-kosher restaurant. Now Rasha Weiss is saying the opposite is true. You should dafka go into the place in the middle of the business district. You should have the meal there because then everybody's going to know why you're going there and nobody will be suspicious. But if you go meet somebody for lunch off in you know, some restaurant in Ravenswood or something like that, or Buffalo Grove or somewhere in the middle of nowhere, why is this person walking to the, into a trade restaurant in the middle of nowhere? It must be he's actually going in there to eat. So that you, even though there's technically not Marasayan, that is a behavior which should be avoided. So it's fascinating, again, just to see the, how halacha evolves and adapts to, and it changes, actually. Not that the principles change, but the application changes as circumstances change and as time changes and, uh, and the behaviors, uh, behaviors change. So we'll all meet at Stucky's tomorrow for, <laughs> for breakfast. All right, everybody. We're good? We're good. Oh, so um, don't forget.